Hello and welcome to the Fintech Australia podcast, Finney Special, presented by Tier 1 People, leaders in Fintech executive search. With the help of the Victorian government, Focus and BPay, we're bringing you Australia's largest and most prestigious Fintech awards yet. We want you to tune in and pick the winners. And this year, you can join in virtually, in person, or host your own office party. So wherever you are, let's come together and recognize the amazing people Aussie Fintech is renowned for. Go to thefinnies.org.au. GoCardless are sponsoring the Emerging Fintech Leader of the Year Award. GoCardless is taking the pain out of getting paid for businesses with recurring revenue. To everyone at GoCardless, we appreciate your support in making this year's Finneys happen. I'm joined by Belinda Hogan of 86400. Welcome, Belinda. Hi, Dexter. Great to be here. You're, uh, you, you're in very esteemed company with this finalist list. What a, what a, what a category. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really very thrilled and honoured to be included amongst the list of, of so many great young people in the industry. I think it's um, really pleasing for the future of fintech to see so many people absolutely um, you know, breaking down barriers and, and achieving really great things um, in this category, which is for, for under 35. So, yeah, really thrilled to be here and, and, and obviously privileged to be amongst this group. Yeah, it's just incredible. I mean, um, you know, I, I was... I did an interview yesterday and I was talking to somebody and she's 28. I was like, geez, I'm 47 and <laughs> you know, I still haven't achieved what you've achieved. <laughs> I think you've been a bit modest there, Dexter. <laughs> yeah, look, it's, uh, no, I, I mean it, I mean it with a lot of sincerity, right? It's like what people are doing, age is no longer a barrier. And I think that's the remarkable thing and why I'm so you know, delighted to be doing what we're doing for this category because I think everybody, you know, yourself included, all the finalists. I mean, they're just, you know, to just to make the finals, I think, is a huge achievement when you look at the, you know, the caliber of individuals that are there. It's just, you know, I just can't say enough. Well done, Belinda. Oh, thanks, Dexter. Well, what we're going to do is um, have a little chat about your approach to leadership. But I thought before we did that, maybe you could share with our listeners a little bit more about 86400 and your role with them and, and what you do. Absolutely. I'd love to. So 86400 is Australia's first smart bank. So we're a licensed bank by APRA. We were licensed uh, July last year and we launched to customers in September. So it's been an absolute roller coaster since then. We've been absolutely flat out. Uh, and really what we're about and, and why 86400 exists is really about helping Australians take control of their money. We know that banking has become complicated. It feels really stressful um, you might have multiple bank accounts, you tap and pay all the time, um, and money goes in and out, unfortunately, mostly out of your account without noticing it these days. So really, when we built 86400, it was about how do we use technology to give customers a better experience, better price, and also make them feel in control of their money, which is, is really, really important. So they feel on top of it, and it takes away that stress and anxiety uh, that they usually people feel when they, they think about their money. You talked about breaking down barriers before. Um, your CFO um, of a bank, 
there aren't many female CFOs of banks out there. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about um, you know your career kind of coming into 86400 and how you went down that path? Yeah, absolutely. So I started actually as a teenager in the banking sector. I started really young. Um, I was at a small credit union in Wollongong. Uh, and I started as a cadet in the finance department. So at the time, uh, I didn't really know what accountants did <laughs> besides tax returns. Uh, so it was absolutely a, a fantastic learning experience. I worked um, full time while completing my uni degree uh, down in Wollongong as well. And I spent 12 years at, at Illawarra Credit Union, the last three of which I was CFO and, and company secretary. So Obviously, during that time, uh, I was extremely grateful for the opportunities that I had. It was a lot of hard work, uh, but really gave me an opportunity to get to understand the workings of a retail bank. Uh, I got to work in, obviously, the finance department, but spent some time in credit, operations, collections, and really got to understand, you know, if you lift up the hood of the bank, how does it all, all work? Uh, obviously, then moving into the CFO role was, was a huge opportunity for me at, at a relatively young age for a CFO, um, and I'm, I'm very, very grateful for, for the opportunities I had at the credit. How, how old were How old were you when you became CFO? Twenty eight when I became CFO. Wow, <laughs> that's big responsibility on you know, any twenty eight year old's shoulders. It, it, it is, but it also was after a, a decade, I suppose, of becoming an expert in that particular bank and that particular environment mm. as well so um, but absolutely was a, a, a sort of baptism by fire and learning experience for sure uh, so after three years of, of being in the CFO role I was um, looking around at the credit union and kind of learning that I'd, I'd looked at many different parts of the credit union we'd, we'd done a core banking change we'd done lots of different things uh, and was really looking to say well what's the next challenge for myself um, and I was also privileged I had two fantastic direct reports that were um, then managing the, the teams reporting through to myself and, and they were really ready for a step up as well. So, mm. um, I started looking to say, well, what else is out there um, and came across 86400. Uh, so I was already kind of familiar with the premise, um, having worked with Cuscal in the past. Yeah. And obviously Cuscal is, as you know, Dexter very well, um, Australia's um, largest independent payment company and um, a huge supporter of 86400. Uh, and from there, went on to meet, you know, Rob and AT and the team. Uh, and it was obviously a daunting opportunity to, to jump over to what was going to be a very fast growing fintech compared to a uh, more traditional credit union was a, a, a very different proposition, uh, but obviously a, a really great challenge for myself uh, and an opportunity to, to start something from scratch wasn't one I was going to, to turn down. Uh, Eight months later, here we are. Fantastic. Now, um, I wanted to have a, I think you, you started to go down this path just before and I wanted to kind of bring you back there. You talked about some of your direct reports and how you nurtured them um, to the point that, hey, you'd always made yourself redundant and it was time for the next challenge. What would you say is your approach to leadership? And you know, uh, So I'll talk a little bit about my approach. I think it's it's hard. I think everyone needs to find their unique mm. style. Uh, I think there's obviously some really common threads between leadership that tends to be more successful, but it really is about finding your unique style because if you try and try on someone else's, uh, it, it might not fit quite as comfortably. So for me, I really look at three key principles. 
leading by example, creating a really safe environment for growth and really trying to embed uh, humanity and empathy in, in your leadership style. So I'll touch a little bit on each of those. You, you, so, you so, it sounds uh, like an approach of a certain um, Kiwi prime minister <laughs> who I think is doing remarkably well right now and changing the world. I think she is. And I think when we look around the world, there has been some some commentary about, you know, those countries with female leaders and, and how well comparatively a lot of them have um, dealt with obviously a very challenging 2020. Uh, and I think there's a lot we can learn absolutely from, from them. So, um, so when I look at my leadership style, um, no surprises as a CFO, I am quite detail-oriented. Uh, and I do really love to get my hands dirty. I'm, I'm definitely not the type of leader that will sit back and say, okay, you guys go do all of these sort of things and you know, come back and tell me when you're done. I, I really do enjoy getting my hands dirty with the team and, and being being the quite hands-on leader. Um, that obviously is a balancing act and, and making sure that you're giving everyone opportunity for growth at the same time as, as being, you know, in the trenches and part of the team as well. Uh, it, it is a really good fit for 86400. Obviously, we're a very small team. Um, our finance team, including myself, is six of us. Uh, so that you do need to be hands-on from time to time. So that's really, really important. Uh, and I think this is where, how I mentioned before, it's about finding the right fit for yourself. Um, my leadership style and wanting to be hands-on and detailed um, with the team suits mm. small fintech. Um, and, and it was really about finding that sort of opportunity for myself. I think if you um, obviously have a different style that's a little bit more hands-off, um, coming into a startup might be a little bit more of a challenge. And conversely, I'd probably find being in a very large organisation would mm. be challenging. As, as um, well. it's, it, it's always a challenge coming into a startup and it's a real challenge to keep your team, I, I think, not only engaged but um, keep them on that journey because you're growing so rapidly. The business is constantly changing. How have you approached that as a leader and how have you kind of kept people engaged and being able to help them grow as the business grows? I think the, the first point is you need to have more faith in your team than they even have in themselves. Uh, and it really is that belief that, yes, what we're trying to do is challenging but is absolutely achievable and, and really reinforcing that self-belief and that, that confidence. Um, especially when what we're trying to do many times maybe hasn't been done before and everybody talks about, you know, not having legacy is a huge plus and it absolutely is. Um, but from time to time when you're starting from a blank page all over again, a yeah. legacy might, might sometimes be a nice thing. Uh, so it's really that, for, for me, the number one fundamental in a startup is confidence um, and that self-belief. Um Besides that, I think when you're working with the team as well, it, it is really about problem solving um, more than anything else. So it's really breaking down the problem, having to sometimes shed the status quo and understanding that just because, you know, and, and we're, we're very privileged to work with obviously a lot of different um, very, very talented people at 86400 that have a really diverse background. But sometimes what that means is someone's, done what we're trying to do somewhere else mm. and it worked really well to the temptation to do the same thing here. Uh, and it's really trying to make sure we look at things with a fresh set of eyes from all sorts of different angles and say, you know, is this really the best fit for us 
um, and, and just because it works like that before, is there still a better way we can do it? Um, so it, it's that problem-solving mindset uh, is never too far away either. Your, your chair, I mean, he's got a little bit of previous in launching banks. Three in, three in a decade is pretty, pretty remarkable. Um, how, how have you found being able to um, kind of leverage that kind of expertise and, and experience? And has it had any, have you shifted your leadership style because of it? Absolutely. So working with uh, our chairman, Anthony Thompson, absolutely is one of the privileges of, of working at 86400. As you say, he's had a very long career in, in banking. And I think there's very few people around the world that could say they're onto their, their third or fourth new bank. Uh, so le- leveraging that experience is obviously something we do on a, a very regular basis. Um, I'm fortunate enough that obviously because we're um, capital raising, as, as the, the market knows, um, it means I get to spend quite a bit of time with AT um, talking to investors about 86400. I think what I've learned mostly from, from AT is really about how you message, how you talk about the journey uh, and how you best describe what 86400 is about. Um, banking is complicated uh, and particularly from a finance point of view, people like to try and make it even more complex and really bringing it down to simplicity, bringing it down to those core messages. Um, and obviously with his background in marketing versus my background in finance, um, there's a huge amount I've learned from him in that space. And when you when you opened your statement about going into finance and you talked about tax and accounting, um, I'm pretty certain by the time you reached 28 and you were CFO, you knew that there was an awful lot more to finance. And certainly, you know, in this last last decade, 15 years, it's become a way more commercial role than it ever was. And we, we've seen you know, a number of instances where the CFO goes on to become the CEO of a bank or a, you know, another institution. What, what's your kind of long-term plans and where do you see your path within leadership and within, the, within businesses? It's a great question, Dexter. And I'm going to give you a, a bit more of a typical millennial answer on this one. I'm sorry. Um, I don't actually know. So we... I, I tend not to, to try to look too, too far in advance. Um, the things I love about my role at the moment in, as 86400, obviously working with a great team, um, particularly working with technology, working on you know, efficiencies and how to be, be effective. They're all the sorts of things I would like to take forward into roles into the future. Um, but I don't have too much of a prescriptive mindset about you know, what next yeah. or, or anything like that. Um, I, I did, you know, have goals around, you know, I wanted to finish my uni degree by, you know, 25. Um, it took me a little while because I was doing it part-time. Um, go, on and, go on and do an MBA and do all those sort of things. Um, but I found once I finished all my studies, uh, I'd, I'd really just got to the point that I was actually pretty happy just sitting in the moment and enjoying what I was doing and really planning for the company and planning for the team um, rather than thinking too longer term for myself. And mm. I just really love the role at the moment and, and thinking about what else I'd like to do actually is a really big, big challenge at the moment because the role is so enjoyable. Well, can I share something with you? Absolutely. That's not a millennial thing. Right? So, <laughs> well, it, and it, this was pre-COVID, but every discussion that I would have with a chief exec, when we'd find it, you know, we'd talk about, well, what's your biggest fear or challenge? And it was that literally what we're doing today, will it even be relevant in 12 months? And I think we've gone, we're in an environment and have been certainly in the space that we operate in, Belinda, 
we have moved so quick. Uh, I just don't think you can have five-year strategic plans. Ironically, whilst we've done this and adjusted in business, in our own careers, we've not, you know, many people haven't adjusted that, you know, kind of, um, you know, the, the climb in the ladder of success is very, very different now. Um, and I often use the analogy of, you know, if you're, you're kind of trying to get to the peak of um, a mountain, there isn't a ladder that takes you to the very top. You've got to kind of traverse across. Sometimes you've got to go back. Sometimes you've got to move up. And I think that's, um, you know, it, it's probably more indicative um, of the, you know, the, the career path that people take now. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you, Dexter. I think when I look back at my time at the credit union, you know, when I was asked to say, you know, can you go and um, head up the lending department or we need you to spend some time looking at collections and how we improve that process and, and that sort of thing. There were areas where I went, hang on, I work in finance. I don't, I don't want to go and learn these sort of areas. But it's not until you do it and you take those horizontal moves that you realise just how much you learn. And when you come back to, you know, whether it's a CFO role or an operations role or, or wherever you come back to, you're so much more effective at it for that experience that you've learned. So. Sounds like the karate kid when he's asked to wash the car and paint the fences. Yeah. Right? <laughs> why am I doing this? And then you find out that's why you're doing yeah. it. Excellent. Well, Belinda, it's been really good to chat to you. What do what does the future hold for 86400? So I think we've had a very exciting 12 months and I'm, I'm only really looking forward to, to the next journey even more. So for us at the moment, it's obviously all about mortgages. Um, so we're, we're really privileged at the moment to just be rolling out with, with two of the largest aggregators um, being AFG and Connective. Uh, so we've had a huge year at the moment um, and, and really looking forward to, to welcoming even more customers during uh, 2021. Well, brilliant. Well, very, uh, our best of luck in the finals is, that, you know, again, congratulations for making it this far, uh, an achievement in itself, and um, good luck. Thanks, Dexter, and thank you for talking to you.